This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. I want to welcome you to the City of God podcast. My name is Rob Pacienza. I'm joined by my co-host, John Rabe. And on this podcast, we discuss today's biggest cultural issues all through the lens of God's infallible word. Uh, John, uh, there's definitely a war today on truth. Uh, You often hear people say my truth or their truth, uh, but that really goes against the definition of truth, doesn't it? It does. And it seems like this discussion on the issue of truth might initially, as somebody hears that, it may sound abstract to them, but it's really not. Everything that we're dealing with right now, every cultural problem that you are concerned about right this moment ultimately comes back to this question of what is truth and what is the truth. Uh, Without answers on that and under the current situation, uh, you can't even really have a society without a shared idea of truth. And that's kind of where we find ourselves right now. There was a time when you could perhaps talk about truth in two different ways. There's one truth. I like asparagus. That's one kind of truth. And you're truth, quote unquote, Rob, might be other than that. You may hate asparagus. Okay. I have my truth and you have your truth. Well, there were certain things that are individual about us where of course that the truth differs, but it was always agreed that things like the way that gravity works or two plus two equaling four, that that was truth. That's not your truth or my truth. That's just the truth. But we've gotten to the point now where even that is becoming subjective, where even basic questions like that are becoming not so much what's the truth, but who is the group in power and what are they trying to force on us? When you have that, you really have the kind of crisis that a civilization cannot withstand. The world is rapidly changing, John. I heard one person uh, once say that a historian, uh, that a person born in 1900 has more in common with Moses than a person born in the 21st century. Uh, But (laughs) I think there's a lot of truth to that, that. you know? And so the question is, is there anything true today that will be true a thousand years from now? I think it's important for the Christian to remember that there is a objective, absolute truth that transcends time and history and cultures and society. And it's that truth, uh, the truth found in God's word, uh, Jesus himself saying, I am the truth and the life. It's that truth, that objective, absolute truth in our society that's under attack today. It's deeply under attack. We find it happening in our educational system. We find it happening in our media. Uh, Again, this idea that there is no truth out there to be discovered. It's not a brand new thing. In fact, as we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, it really goes back as far as the Garden of Eden. But uh, this sustained attack where it really does become plausible to people that that uh, truth is relative and that it's all constructed by me internally myself, uh, that, that idea is uh, has never been as pervasive as it is right now. It's really swept like wildfire. And that's how you end up in a society where we don't know what constitutes human life. We don't know what a man or a woman is now, where we had a Supreme Court justice, uh, Justice Brown, during her confirmation hearings was asked directly, what is a man? Or what, is, what is a woman? And she could not answer the question. Now, I think she could answer the question. She didn't want to answer the question because answering that question the way we would have always answered it up until about 15 minutes ago now puts you at odds with all sorts of powerful groups, uh, including those who control education, the media, and so forth. But uh, it really is an astounding time of change where 
you know, people, Rob, that are, are in, you know, that are not even our age, but people who are our parents' age, they literally cannot understand what's happened to us. The world is 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 uh, proceeding according to such different assumptions than it was even the time when our parents grew up. Uh, in living memory, it has changed so much that it's, it's dizzying for so many people. I've heard uh, in some public school systems across America that their back-to-school nights for elementary students uh, basically open up this way. Um, we want to let you know that as an administration that your teachers will not be assigning your children any grades this year uh, because who are we to say what is right and what is wrong what is true and what is false we actually just don't think it's best for their self-esteem to give them a grade and to tell them that they're right or wrong i mean that's the type of thing that we're facing uh this ideological attack on truth even being so pervasive in our educational system uh we talk a lot in our ministry about uh the 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 root Roots of Marxism and even critical theory and how critical theory has affected in this nation and Western civilization, um, uh, race and sexuality and gender and human life and even nationality, uh, right? Uh, and, and history. Uh, we see the 1619 Project right. uh, literally rewriting uh, American history, uh, teaching our young people from elementary all the way through college uh, that America uh, has this problem, and it's known as uh, systemic racism. Uh, therefore, all of our founding fathers, uh, because they were white males, need to be erased from our history books or condemned and canceled, and we need to rewrite it. And uh, it's, it's just a dangerous time we're living in that truly Truth can be under attack so much that it's affecting literally everything that we're experiencing as a culture. I don't want to get too academic, but people will remember a lot of talk a decade or two ago about postmodernism. And some may have wondered what that was. Some may have wondered where it's gone. But what we really see is the outgrowth of the postmodernism that really took root in the 60s and 70s, particularly in the United States. So uh, just in the most basic nutshell, postmodernism says, postmodernism distrusts what they call meta-narrative, the overarching story. Well, another way to put that might be truth, that there's an overarching truth that all of us sort of have to exist under the same truth. Instead, it says, all we really have is our own experiences. And so I can't see things through your lens. You can't see through things through my lens, but that's the only way we have to interpret the world is through our lens. So who writes history? Well, it's only the people who were powerful, who had the power. They're the ones who write down history, but we need to go and revise that now through the lens of people who didn't have the power. But all of it is just subjective. All of it is just our own perspective on things. None of it is the actual truth. Absolutely. The thing is, when you break down society like that, when you put everybody in their own little box and I can't get into yours and you can't get into mine, you literally don't have the possibility of a society anymore. You can't govern. You can't make rules. You can't make laws. And if you think I'm overstating, let's look around us. We're, we're starting to see that actually taking place. Absolutely. Uh, you talked about postmodernism, that ideology that says uh, there there is no such thing as absolute truth. All mm -hmm. truth is relative. What's true for me might not be true for you. And that's led to what we call a post-Christian society, where now no longer is the Judeo-Christian worldview the predominant worldview of the society, but it's actually secular humanism. And, this, and secular humanism uh, over and against the Judeo 
Judeo-Christian worldview that does that, that says that there is absolute truth. Therefore, there is objective morality and there's objective standards and values and virtues that we hold to. Uh, secularists say, no, that all truth is relative. But what, what we're seeing also in our society is something that goes a step f- further, and that's with the neo-Marxist movement. And the neo-Marxist movement uh, that not only agrees with this secular humanism uh, that uh, says that all truth is relative, they actually go a step further and they say if anybody actually claims to have the truth, they are more than likely white males uh, that came up with this truth hundreds of years ago, uh, and they need to be uh, suppressed uh, because they have led to the oppression of minorities and other people uh, in our society, and uh, they they need to be silenced and canceled, and we need to come up with our own truth over and against uh, the truth of those that have come before us, because all of those people that came before us were oppressors, uh, were racist, uh, and were using that absolute truth as a weapon against us. And so th- these are the types of things that are being taught, not only in a secular culture, but in a culture that also is embracing this neo-Marxist ideology. And so now you have a situation where in school it's often considered unacceptable, especially on cutting edge educational theory, it's considered unacceptable to tell a child that their math answer is wrong when their math answer is wrong. Well, it's just a different way of, of getting at it. It's a different way of thinking of it. Well, no, as, as Al Mohler once told me, uh, people may think that they're relativists, but nobody wants a relativist reading their x-rays. Nobody wants a relativist interpreting their contract. You know, you have relativists on, sci- on, on college faculties. You'll find out that they're not really relativists when you try to fire them because suddenly they will become very truth-oriented when it comes to the language of their contracts and so forth. So there really is kind of a a situation here. We're in a precarious spot because we, as a culture now, deny absolute truth, but we can't live according to that either. We can't live in a way that says there's no truth. The truth is if I step out in front of a bus, I'm a goner no matter what I believe about that. We can't get around it, and yet we find ever more clever ways to try to pretend to get around it. Absolutely, or, or running a, a red light or a stop yeah. sign. I mean, th- there is a, a sense in which we are all governed and live our lives by an absolute set of truths and laws and values. It's inescapable, and uh, it, it, it's amazing because this attack on truth in our society society is really affecting everything. As we said earlier, it's affecting history. It's affecting our view of sexuality, our view of gender, our view of marriage, the sanctity of human life, uh, because uh, how we define marriage, uh, how we define gender and sexuality is all in the eye of the beholder and not in a absolute being who alone has the right to define these things in our society. Just to show how this is not abstract, but it really really does become concrete in our own lives. And again, many of the things that we are culturally concerned about, I go back to 1992, the Casey decision of the United States Supreme Court. That was a challenge to Roe v. Wade in 1992, 19 years after Roe was uh, was decided. And in that decision, it upheld Roe v. Wade. And the decision was written by Justice Anthony Kennedy uh, at the time. And here's what Kennedy wrote in his decision upholding abortion. He said, at the heart of liberty, Liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life, unquote. Now, that is uh, lofty-sounding language, and we have a 
culture that wholeheartedly today agrees with that statement. It's we have our own right to define our concept of existence, the meaning of the universe, the mystery of the human life. Uh, we, that that's all up to us. Well, what has flowed from that? That was a decision upholding abortion. The same justice, Anthony Kennedy, later wrote a decision legalizing sodomy, the Lawrence case. He referred back to that previous decision. It's up to us to define our own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, of the mystery of human life. Then the Obergefell decision, written by, guess who, again, Justice Anthony Kennedy, legalizing same-sex marriage, refers once again to that decision. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and the mystery of human life. Kennedy is saying we make it all up for ourselves, and so anything goes. And now anything literally does go. Justice Scalia, in opposing him, said that that passage of Kennedy's, the he called it the sweet mystery of life passage, said that's the passage that ate the rule of law because it means no law is possible. It's up to each of us to make it up for ourselves. And the real world consequences of that have actually been death and destruction. John, uh, the incredible case studies are the Soviet Union and China. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look what happens when a culture, when a government goes purely secular. Um, 100 million, and that's conservative estimates, 100 million deaths in the 20th century uh, from those two regimes. Uh, that said God is not welcomed in the public square, that there is no such thing as absolute truth, that we are going to have a purely secular public square and a purely secular government, uh, that's what happens. Tyranny uh, that results in mass chaos and mass uh, destruction and loss of life. Uh, So we need to remember, this is what happens. So all of those people out there uh, that say, no, uh, moving towards a secular culture and a secular public square is actually liberating and freeing and it, and it, and it breaks, uh, breaks off the shackles of, of those that have come before us. Uh, no, just look at history. Uh, we need to be students of history and remember what happens when God is absent from the public square, uh, when religion and absolute morals and absolute truth no longer exist in a society, uh, tyranny, chaos, and death can only prevail. Ultimately, someone's concept of truth is going to reign anyway. And even the statement, there is no absolute truth, is itself a statement of absolute truth. So you just can't get around truth, even if you're even if you're trying to. Uh, but what we end up happening, what ends up happening in a culture that completely you could once debate what was actually true. Like there may be contradictory set of sets of facts that we have to sort through. We have to debate. We have to come to some sort of resolution on what's true here. But now we're debating even the concept of truth. If truth even exists, if it's even possible to find, you know, the X-Files, whatever it was 30 years ago, said the truth is out there. Our current culture says, no, the truth is in here or the truth is, is nowhere. So where do we go? Like what's the basis? Are our, our, our founders put into our founding documents, you know, the Declaration of Independence asserted self-evident truth. Uh, And apparently it's not so self-evident because virtually nobody seems to believe it anymore. But we, the the nature of truth was such that it was self-evident and that we had to have that self-evident truth in order to govern ourselves. It's being lost. What is the basis for it? How do we ultimately get back to that? Where do we find that truth, Rob? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, there's 
several places in the New Testament uh, where it speaks to humanity's knowledge of the truth. Um, you know, I think even uh, John in 1 John uh, calls people who deny the truth a liar. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is, why didn't John call them ignorant? Or why didn't John just say, uh, they just don't have as much knowledge as we do? Why are they called a liar? Because John is making the case, just as Paul makes the case in Romans chapter one, that everybody deep down inside believes in the truth. Mm -hmm. There's knowledge of the truth. It's because of sin that that knowledge has been suppressed. And we exchange the, what does Paul say? We exchange the truth of God for a lie. So fundamentally, we need to believe that everything we see on social media and the mainstream media and our college campuses and this attack on truth is not just ignorant people, but that fundamentally they are liars that they're suppressing. But deep down inside, even they know there is an absolute truth, that there is an objective morality. So we need to understand that foundation this is simply a result of the fall of humanity. And so what's the answer then? What is the answer for the fall? What's the answer for sin? What's an answer for those that suppress the truth of God for a lie? It's the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's the person who said there is truth. It's the person who came 2,000 years ago and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we need to be confident that there is such a thing called truth, and it is absolute, and it is objective. It's not defined by culture. It's not defined by a liberal college professor. It's not certainly not defined by government, uh, but truth is defined by God who sent us his son, Jesus Christ, who said, I am truth incarnate. Uh, and why have millions of people throughout history given their lives for Jesus? They didn't give their lives for Jesus because they thought this was relative truth. <laughs> they, they didn't give their lives for this man and for this movement because they thought maybe it's true for us, but maybe it's not true for them. They gave their lives because they understood that in Jesus, they have an absolute objective rock solid certainty that they would be willing to lay down their lives for because without Jesus, you have no absolute and objective forgiveness. You have no absolute and objective grace. You have no absolute and objective justice. All of the things that humanity longs for, morality, justice, forgiveness, absolution, whatever it might be, can only be found in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is truth, who is the essence of truth, who's the manifestation of truth. So as Christians, we need to understand there is truth. It's being suppressed by humanity because of sin, uh, but humanity's greatest longing is all found through uh, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why we've seen the greatest human flourishing throughout the world, and in this nation in particular. Why? Because this society has been grounded and rooted from its beginning in a Judeo-Christian worldview, that self-evident truth that you spoke about. I think that's extraordinarily well said, Rob. And the thing that you mentioned a number of times in there that I think, you know, there's different points in history where we may have to emphasize different parts of that. But the, the thing you kept mentioning there that I think really does have to be emphasized is the word objective. That's where the attack is right now. There are even those who are professing Christians who who believe in Jesus and, and he is, quote unquote, their truth and he's what they feel in their hearts and he lives inside them. But part of the point that our culture that goes against our culture, that our 
our culture needs to understand right now is that that is not just internal truth. It is objective. Jesus is Lord, whether you believe it or not. Jesus rose from the dead, whether you believe it or not. Jesus reigns, whether or not he reigns in your heart. And, and so the fact that the truth exists apart from us and outside of us, it's a revolutionary concept right now, and yet it's important to remind people of. That's why that objective truth uh, was never meant to be remain private in the life of the Christian. And that's mm. what you saw in the first few centuries of the birth of the church uh, in, in a culture, a Roman pagan culture, uh, where abortion and infanticide were rampant, where women and children had no rights, uh, where they had the um, the, the barbaric uh, gladiator games, uh, where slavery was rampant. What changed all that? Uh, the the Judeo-Christian worldview that proclaimed there is truth, uh, and and we're not the definers of truth, and it was the truth that was that came out of the the objective uh, word of God. Every uh, every word of Scripture is absolute and objective, and it gave the world a uh, a view of life of all of life uh, that turned this world upside down. And so we need to remember as Christians the truth that we proclaim and profess on Sunday morning needs to come with us in to the marketplace, needs to come out with us in the public square, how we raise our children, how we live our lives, how we vote, how we conduct our businesses, that truth transcends. If, As you just said, if Jesus is Lord of all, then the truth that he proclaims must transcend every facet of society and of culture. Yeah, we are called to testify, and why does anyone testify? Why do we testify in court? To give an account of the truth, and that's what we are supposed to live out. You mentioned Romans 1, and, and you know, less we anyone think we're holding ourselves above anyone else. You, Rob, of course, are a sinner. I, of course, am even more a sinner. I'm sure uh, we we have the same problem. All of us is susceptible to this. You mentioned Roman one. I remember having the blessing here at Knox Seminary of of having R.C. Sproul, the late Dr. R.C. Sproul, as a professor years ago there, and he talking about Romans one and suppressing the truth unrighteousness in in unrighteousness. He said, uh, you know, that word suppress. It really, it has the connotation in Greek almost of like holding down a spring. You're, you're pushing against something that's resisting you, that's trying to push through. So it's not passive. You're actively pushing down on the truth, and yet it finds ways of continuing to pop up. Why do we do that? Why do we keep pushing down on the truth? And ultimately, we see that begin in the Garden of Eden Absolutely. when Satan cast doubt. Well, I was just about to say, you know, when when the serpent says, did God really say that? That was the attack on the sovereignty of God. That was the attack on truth. And ever since Genesis chapter 3, the longing of every human being has to be autonomous, to be their own sovereign. Mm. Uh, and uh, that's the, the challenge that we face as the the people of God, as we're witnessing, as we're pro proclaiming the truth of God, we need to understand that we are in open rebellion against God by nature, that we don't want to hear that there's a God and that we must surrender our lives to him and that there is a truth that we can't define, but that's already been defined for us, right? We live in a culture that says, I want to uh, define truth. Uh, and no, the, the, the reality is there is truth and it's our job actually to conform to that truth and not the truth to conform to our lifestyle or our preferences or our convictions or our beliefs. I, I think the hope, though, in closing, is we need to remember, as I said earlier, the deep longing of every human being is to find objective justice and mercy 
and redemption. Mm. And that can only be found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we need to live with confidence that if Jesus came and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, uh, that I, that uh, you should know the truth and the truth should set you free. If he was nailed to the cross and buried and the third day, and we could still travel and see his grave site and know that he's in the ground, then, then all bets are off. Then forget about it. Yeah. Uh, we have no confidence in this thing called absolute truth. We among all men are to be pitied, as Paul said. <laughs> Absolutely. But because he did rise from the dead on that third day, we can live with absolute certainty and assurance that there is a truth, that this truth was incarnate, that he came into the world, uh, and that he is the one that for thousands of years has been setting the captive free. Uh, he is the truth that was alive, dead, but raised from the raised from the dead. And because of the resurrection and the resurrection hope, we can live with confidence in this absolute truth, this objective truth that comes from God and God alone, and raise up a generation that in, a fa- in the face of a secular society, a society uh, that wants to define truth, uh, our children, God willing, can stand up and say, no, not on our watch. We will stand according to the absolute objective truth of God alone. Amen. Our our condemnation is objective. Our condemnation in our sins before God is objective, but our salvation is objective too. It's something that God does for us. It's real and we need it. As the as the hymn goes, and, and Rob, I can testify to this, and I know you can too. This is what it's about. Uh, it's that's what amazing grace is. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. See what? I see the truth. I see the truth of Jesus, and it's true for everyone, but we are called to submit to him and to believe in him for that salvation. And realize that it is the truth that sets us free. That's, that's right. where true freedom and liberty come from. Amen. Well, that's a wrap. I want to thank you for listening to the City of God podcast made in partnership with Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church's Institute for Faith and Culture. This is a weekly podcast, so make sure you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to watch the video version of this podcast on YouTube. I want to thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.